baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now, Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. All right, welcome in. Thanks for being with me. Beamaz and Beamer here on WBEN. Joe is going to be in in about an hour for now, uh, in for David Bellavia. So you're stuck with me for the next hour. And a uh, lot to get to. I mean, you know, so much. You sort through all the different headlines. To, I, there's. So many different things I mean, that we could talk about here um, that you kind of keep on going through and through. I mean, some of these I mentioned earlier in the morning, but I thought uh, this was interesting. Preservationists, we've talked about preservationism on this show a lot before, uh, especially when it comes to downtown Buffalo. You know, what should and shouldn't be preserved. I think Volker's Lanes we talked about before. You know, it's a box. But I, sometimes they have a point. You see, over in the U.K., they're taking steps to preserve their iconic red phone boxes. What do you think of? You know, the, uh, you think of Britain, and they've got a few things going for them. They got the black cabs, they got the double decker buses, Big Ben, and all these phone booths. The problem is, you know, nobody uses the phone booths anymore. They say that the uh, public phone booths may seem obsolete, but they can be a lifeline for people in need, especially in areas with poor mobile coverage. I guess that makes sense, but more so, they just kind of look cool. Right? I mean, you get rid of them, you're getting rid of, like, a landmark. You might as well erase Big Ben if you're getting rid of those phone booths anyways. So, uh, you know, I thought that's cool. They're saved. You don't have to worry about that just because everyone's carrying a cell phone. The red boxes will remain. Meanwhile, over here in the U.S., Brian Williams is leaving NBC. Did you see this? Brian Williams and NBC parting ways. The news breaking uh, late last night or this morning. He'll be leaving the network he's called home after 28 years. You might remember Williams was NBC's top anchor in 2004. Left in disgrace in 2015. He claimed his helicopter had been hit by enemy fire while covering the Iraq War. It wasn't. Rehabbed his career recently, recent years, after moving to MSNBC, where you're a little more free to bend the facts like that, right? You know, you go a little further down the dial, and it matters a little less what you say. You know, eh, enemy fire flies a little bit more once you get into the 30s than it does in the single digits on your TV. NASA putting astronauts back on the moon, but not until 2025. They wanted to do it in 2024, but now they're pushing that back a little further. And I'm wondering if they can even do it. It's been so long. I, it's not happened in my lifetime. And now they're, you know, pushing it back even further. You'd think that it would be kind of easy. We've done it before. We've been on the moon. They keep saying there's more technology in your pocket than there was on the Apollo mission that landed on the moon. But now we keep pushing this. If that's true, shouldn't we have a moon base or something by now? And we keep pushing. I, I need to see us land on the moon now. 
I'm I've forgotten about Mars. Mars is Mars can wait. You have to kind of prove to me that we can still do the moon. I'm not a moon, you know, you have all the moon landing conspiracy theorists, right? Who say, oh, we didn't actually land on the moon, right? So why haven't we done it? So I'm not one like that. I am kind of in a way, though, of you don't have to prove to me that we landed on the moon. I know we did it. You have to prove to me that we can do it now. I, I believe we did it way back when, decades ago. I don't think we can do it right now. I don't think you have the willpower or uh, the wherewithal to do it. And now it's a pushback at least another year. Uh, reason for people to doubt climate change even more. Up in Canada, Canada saw a historic heat wave in June, followed by a thick smog season. And now a Canadian woman has become the world's first person to be diagnosed with climate change. A Canadian woman who's facing breathing problems because of this, according to doctors, poor air quality and heat waves responsible for her condition. So she's being diagnosed as a victim of climate change. And while it, uh, you know, obviously would play a factor, the climate into her condition, I feel like this is one of the examples that, you know, the doctor is here thinking, all right, you know, this is really going to wake people up people are finally going to wake up and realize that we're serious when we're talking about climate change i'm going to diagnose somebody with the climate change illness and that'll get people's attention but in reality i don't think it is i think it's kind of more the effect of you giving me a paper straw telling me that i'm saving the world you know and i'm drinking out of it while driving past hamilton ontario where the sky's on fire and thinking like, yeah, I'm making the difference here. I, I don't think the uh, climate change diagnosis for an individual is really going to wake a, a whole lot of people up. And then, of course, Aaron Rodgers still in the news today. Still in the news. We're now, what, a week after this positive COVID test became news. And we're still apparently talking about Aaron Rodgers, who gave another interview. He said he takes full responsibility for anyone who felt misled by his comments about his vaccination status, Aaron Rodgers, he takes full responsibility for it. Now, I, I ask again, you know, he's taking full responsibility for anyone who felt misled. But who does this impact? What is that responsibility? There is no responsibility. Now, he knew what he was doing when he was asked back in August before the season if he was vaccinated. And he said, yeah, I've been immunized. So you're not exactly answering the question. You know what you're doing when you're answering the question. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, right? At the end of the day, you answered the question. You were less than truthful, let's say. You didn't answer it directly. And it doesn't really impact the reporter at all. Right. If I'm a reporter in that, I mean, it's the media who is outraged by this for some reason. But if I'm a reporter in that room and I've been a reporter in many rooms before. If I'm a reporter in that room and I hear, OK, Aaron Rodgers, have you been vaccinated? Which, by the way, is a legitimate question because of the rules in place by the NFL, as you saw with the same player this past week. If you have not been vaccinated, you're more likely to miss a game because of the rules they have in place. 
But if I'm a reporter, I ask the question, hey, have you been vaccinated? You know, just so we kind of know what we're dealing with in terms of the roster likelihood of missing games this year. And he says, yeah, I've been immunized. You know, okay, that's his answer. That's what you can report. It's not damaging your credibility. You asked the question. He gave you that answer. That's what you're reporting. If you said, if you took that answer and took it to mean he has been vaccinated, which I could see that you would, nobody in retrospect is blaming you for messing the story up because he actually wasn't. I mean, he told you this. You can only take what he said at face value, right? So I don't understand the, you know, I take full responsibility for anyone who felt misled. There's no responsibility there. It's no skin off anyone's backs if this happens. So you didn't answer the question. A week later, we're still talking about this. The team knew. The NFL knew. You have members of the media say, well, I mean, did the team know? Was Aaron Rodgers lying to the team? They're playing dumb, asking if that's true. The team knew, the NFL knew, because just like a lot of your workplaces, I'm sure they you know, required everyone to prove yes or no. It's like Evander Kane, the former Saber. He gets busted for giving a fake vaccination card because as a player he was required to give it because you're going to follow a different set of rules, like it or not, but you are going to follow a different set of rules if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated while in the building. So the team knew, the NFL knew, they had to know because of the league rules. So what is the story here? He was unvaccinated. He got COVID. He missed a game. That's, I mean, that is a story. And that's it. And he'll probably play this week. And life moves on, but it doesn't. Let's uh, listen to some of the reports, ABC News. MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers igniting a firestorm Friday when he confirmed he was unvaccinated. Rodgers has been eviscerated by some other athletes. Basketball legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar writing, Aaron Rodgers didn't just lie and threaten the health of those around him. He also damaged professional sports. A firestorm, right? Uh, Igniting a firestorm. You're damaging those around you you know come on roger said and again you got to take what he says at face value right but i absolutely believe it roger said his teammates knew and and now i'm seeing i woke up this morning and you know i flipped through twitter (laughs) i i wish i didn't have to but i have to you know to keep up to date it's it's almost the easiest way to kind of keep up to date you know quick glance what's going on what are uh what's the media the news media the internet world talking about before i you know start to look at what the actual world is talking about you take a look at what the internet's talking about and i'm seeing tweets of people aaron Rodgers spotted at a bar with teammates just days before his positive covid test aaron Rodgers spotted at halloween like oh my goodness he was out eating dinner the scandal. What an embarrassment. Now, I know this is a shocking statement, apparently, to some covering the team and covering the league, and apparently to a lot of people who are very online, which is, you know, firestorm. Who are you hearing this from? It's only people who are buried in their phones 24-7. But, yes, it is possible you can know somebody who is not vaccinated And still not care if you hang out with them. (laughs) 
It happens every day all across the country. Not everybody looks at somebody who hasn't gotten the vaccine and thinks that they're a leper from the Bible. It is still very possible. <laughs> you, oh, oh, you didn't get the vaccine? Okay. So are, where did you want to meet up later? That's how the conversation went. And yes, everybody knows. And <laughs> I mean, what, th- this is what's happening in the world. This is what's happening in the real world beyond your phone. So if this is what the firestorm is, I, I, don't, I don't quite get it. But it, it's continuing. Hopefully, he's feeling well. He's back on the field Sunday, and I can stop listening to people go insane about a person eating dinner somewhere without a mask on. I mean, that's it. Look, this is what's happening. I uh, unbelievable the uh, the media reaction to the Aaron Rodgers situation. I, you know, we'll see. And and he was fine, by the way. For not wearing a face covering during press conferences. You look around the league, no no one's wearing it, vaccinated or unvaccinated. Why would he assume that he's going to wear one when there's plenty of other players? I wonder if they were fine too or just because of the extra attention. It's just Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. But that story continues, uh, at least in the phone, continues. I doubt day-to-day life. Many people are paying attention. And then there's uh, another big local story that we were talking about. And if you joined us a little bit early here on this uh, program, you heard us talk with Rachel Cohen, who is a worker at a Starbucks location looking to join the union effort. Starbucks workers moving forward with more union efforts in more stores across western New York as that vote is delayed just a little bit. Now, We spoke with Rachel Cohen, and she said she likes her job. She wants to make it better for people coming on and rewarding people who work there. She mentioned better health care. That's an issue, you know, in many workplaces, period, whether you're talking about service industry or anything, uh, or union or not, right? She wants better health care. She wants to make it better for those employees that love the job and want some quality pay and benefits, and, you know, I think a lot about the Starbucks because in general, I would support any if you and a group of your fellow co-workers, you, you have the right in this country to organize in the workplace. And if that's what you feel you want to do to better your situation, go for it. Take a vote. You know, see what happens. Um, you know, create a union shop. And in this instance, you want to work at a Starbucks? It's more power to the employee. You'll have the option in Western New York. Hey, do I want to work at a union Starbucks or a non-union Starbucks? But the more I think about this when it comes to this industry, because it is interesting. You know, I would think, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to my work in the service industry when I worked there. And, you know, part of me is like, well, if there's any place that kind of needs a union or needs maybe a little bit more worker power, it would be this, where workers are considered maybe more expendable. But I I was talking with Rachel Cohen this morning. You can hear that interview, by the way, WBEN.com. And I started to, you know, that twisted in my mind a little bit, right? And I'm a little wishy-washy on this. Because the way she's describing it, and obviously this is going to sound this way if you're pro-union, but I'm trying to look at this analytically, it would seem like something 
that Starbucks corporate should want. If these benefits are in place, if it's a better place to work, if you're a corporate Starbucks, wouldn't you want some of these things in place to avoid turnover and increase the quality in stores? Something that is so hard to do in that industry when you have constant turnover. You have people who are looking for a couple of shifts a week and, you know, quite frankly, decide to never learn the job in the first place. I Hand up. I worked at McDonald's when I was a teenager. I never learned what was on a Big Mac or anything because I'm like, whatever. You know, if I mess it up, they'll send it back. Someone else will make it. I, you know, it was just, but it's that kind of, it was that kind of job to me. I know what I do on a general basis. Tell me what to throw on this. I actually threw a burger on a chicken sandwich one time. Someone, you know, slid down a bun, said, hey, slap some meat on this. I work at a burger joint. I'm expecting meat to mean burger. Five minutes later, the manager comes around. Hey, they want to know why there's a burger on their chicken sandwich. I'm like, whoops. I have no idea about that. <laughs> How did that get there? That was, uh, it looks like chicken to me. Um, but no, it's, it, you kind of do treat that in a way. And if you are the corporate Starbucks, you'd want that to end. It would improve quality. You wouldn't be wasting that money. I mean, training and recruitment takes time, costs money. But from the worker's perspective, I don't know if I would want a business like that to act that way. Like, it, like it's not a temporary job. Because if I was an employee, and I've been thinking about this, what if I was comfortable in my jobs that I had when I was 16, 17, 18 years old going through college? What if I didn't have a good reason to leave and look for something else because I was being treated okay in my job? And you didn't have that real burning desire in the front of your brain to say, you're definitely not going to stay here for too long. I would not want that because I could tell you, I could easily, as somebody looking back, right, and thinking to myself at that age, if I'm working at this place and, you know, you come on with the attitude of, well, you know, I'll be here for a year or two. I'll work part time. You know, I'm just looking for some extra money to help out. I've got school. I've got this and that going on. I'm not looking for a full time job. I'm certainly not looking for a career at this point. But if they treated me and said, hey, look, you know, you, you do this, your, your pay goes up. You got to make this amount of money. Hey, if you work full time, you could get this benefit, too. I, it might be hard to turn that down. Then all of a sudden, 15 years later, you find yourself still working the same. Is that a good thing for employees? I don't know. What do you think? 803-0930. You can join us here. Give us a call or send us a text on our Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back here, uh, BMAS and Beamer here on WBEN. Joe is going to be with you in about a half hour and for David today, so you're kind of stuck with me over the next 30 minutes, uh, talking about some of the union efforts at Starbucks locally and, you know, some of the different ways to think about it. You know, I said at the beginning, I 
any workplace you want to organize that you're right. Um, and, you know, you should kind of uh, fight for what you feel is fair on the workplace. And, you know, it, it's this give and take. I mean, this is what the economy is. I mean, as a worker, it's your right to unionize. It's a, your right to uh, get together, to demand better benefits. As an employer, it's your right to determine whether you want to go through with that or you don't. A worker can walk off the job. You can go find something else. You can organize. You can strike. And then, you know, it's a back balls in the other court, right? It keeps going back and forth. You can meet those demands. You could say, I don't think so. You can look for people uh, outside, hire in people who don't want to be part of that union. I mean, it's right. It, it kind of goes back and forth. This is how it goes. So this isn't really anything about the unionization effort. I, I try and put myself in the position of what would I do in this case? And, you know, the way I was thinking about this today, I was thinking about this a little bit differently than I, I have before. And when it comes to you know, in this instance, it's Starbucks. But I really think you can put this across the industry of this type of establishment, right? You know, who falls in? Fast food, coffee shops, you know, these chains, uh, the restaurants. What, what's the, uh, the in-between, fast food and sit-down restaurant? Like a, uh, you know, a Chipotle or something would fall under. Is that, do you consider that fast food? I don't know if I do. It's like somewhere in between. But those are all the places that we're talking about here. Where in general, what these workers are talking about with their union, I would think would end up benefiting the employer a little bit more so than in other industries. And why do I say that? Well, Generally speaking, these types of jobs are treated as, through most employees, and I know we've heard a lot recently, we spoke with an employee who uh, has been around for, or we heard from an employee who's been around for a decade in Starbucks. A lot of these people involved in the union have been around Starbucks for a long time. They like their work. You know, generally speaking, that's who you hear a lot from in the media, but across the board, you're talking about employees who are there seasonably. I mean, you know, I would be surprised if most of them are sticking around for more than a year. And so what does that mean for the business? Well, you have to now train people again and again. It's like a constant effort, recruiting, training, getting people online, making sure that your service is up to snuff, right? Because that is an important part at the end of the day. If you go to a place, what? You know, once is fine, twice is, eh, I'm thinking twice, three strikes, you're out. A bad service, or you're not getting what you paid for. I mean, that's, you got to kind of keep on top of that. Keep consistency, keep the service up to the level where it's supposed to be. And it's very hard to do when you have turnover and a bunch of people who treat the job like it's expendable, which kind of is. Somebody's chiming in on our Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, and you can too. 803-0930, or give us a call. 803-0930. Uh, the type of job shouldn't dictate your work ethic. If you don't care to do a job well, regardless of what it is, that's on the person, not the employer. And, and you know, in the in the grand sense of things, yes, I agree with you. And, and I think that that is an idealistic way of looking at things, but I don't think it's a realistic way 
of looking at things. I mean, truth be told, for most people, if you you know said, where are you going to apply more effort? Where are you going to give more of your energy in this job that you're expecting to have for a couple of months or a year or you work a couple days a week versus you know, maybe the entry level of something you see as your future career? I, I think most people are going to give you one answer over the other, right? You're going to work hard. It's just it's a natural thing. If you see yourself advancing, if you see yourself making a career out of it, if you see an opportunity at the end of the tunnel, you're going to work toward that. Whereas a lot of these jobs, I think we're talking about something that's you're not seeing an opportunity at the end of the tunnel. There might be one there, but you're not actually working toward it. You might be working away from it. I don't want to be. You know, I, I thought that a lot when I was uh, working, uh, you know, slinging ice cream. And we had, you know, a couple of the managers and stuff. And, you know, some were just, you know, it's another step. All right, I'm the manager. And they kind of treated it the same way that they treated it when they were first walking in the door. And then for others, it was, you know, okay, you're the manager. You're the big boss. And, and I looked at that position like, I don't ever want that. Right. I, that's That's not for me. I don't want to get into a situation where I'm dedicating a lot of hours for something that is just to give me pocket change and give me money to pay the limited bills I have at this age. I was running away from that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, But I I think it's pretty common, and it's human nature, and it's smart time management, really, to look at this. All right, a job is a job, and a career is a career, and there are differences between the two. And whether it's right or wrong, people are going to treat them differently. So, you know, I I understand there's that way of thinking. Uh, But then somebody else was kind of chiming in, saying that, listen, this is, you know, what you get. And you're kind of starting to go down what I think is uh, the the path that I'm thinking. It's not uh, entirely what is uh, coming in on our Volkswagen Virtual Park text board, but saying that, you know, all right, nobody wants to, you know, actually do and go out there and work. They just want to be comfortable. And I think that's why if I'm in this position and I'm an employee here and I don't fault anybody for, you know, kind of fighting for your rights as an employee, fighting for your fair shake, but I do think that I would rather in that position not be so comfortable on the job if I'm working at a Starbucks, if I'm working in another fast food place, if I'm working in, you know, one of these types of restaurants. I don't want to feel that comfortable. I want to feel a little disposable because I also want to feel like I have the ability to say, hey, you know what, I'm not liking this today. I'm not liking this over the past week. I'm going to drop this and, you know, I'll go somewhere else, similar. Um, and, and, you know, that's real freedom that you have as a worker, especially in, I mean, look around. There's a help wanted sign everywhere. You kind of have that freedom now. It is, uh, you know, the power in the hands of the workers right now in the economy that we're in. So I don't know if I'd want a business to act like that, to make me super comfortable in the job, to uh, give me benefits, because I think you would be. And again, this goes down to the human nature. You would be more inclined to, instead of saying, all right, you know, here's an opportunity for me to earn some money. 
you know, get a little uh, work experience to put on the resume just to, you know, kind of show people I wasn't sitting around the couch all the time. It, maybe it turns into something to say, hey, you know, I, I can really do something here. I can stick around here longer. Well, you know, it doesn't matter if I get a job right out of college because, you know, I have my job down here making coffee and, you know, it's pretty comfortable. I can pay all my bills and I can stick around here for a little while longer. And, you know, I'm not searching for a job every day because I have this that's, you know, pretty good and going for me. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're 10 years down the line, which is not something I necessarily, right, would, uh, would want for myself. Uh, and that's just me thinking. And that's how I was thinking about this argument uh, today, that, you know, Starbucks is so fighting against this union that maybe at the end of the day uh, might have more benefit to them than you would think right now. Um, let's head over to the phone lines. Uh, we'll start with Jim in Hamburg. Jim, you're on WBEN. What's going on? Hey, uh, great show. Uh, it's interesting talk that you got going on. And with the union, sometimes you got to be careful with what you wish for. Uh, when you get into that or a contract, your contract is binding. And what you basically, you're going to get slotted into whatever job they decide to categorize you in. And that's the job you're going to have to do. And some people there may end up wanting to end up making less money. Some may end up making more, depending on how the contract goes. But that's the job you're going to have to do. So then when you want to take and, and get yourself upgraded, you have to wait for a slot to open up. You know, so there's a, there's a lot of good things with the union. There's a lot of bad things with the union. You know, so you're going to have to they have to weigh that out and decide, is this going to be beneficial to us? Or are we kind of, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot? Hey, you know, in a fast food business, it's, it's a different story than it is working in a factory. Yeah, Jim, um, I appreciate the call, and thanks for that. You bring up a good point where it's it, – you can't – people like to kind of broad scale, you know, unions, love them or hate them, right? Uh, but it's so different across every single industry um, and, and what they do and whether it's a positive or a negative. Uh, a union in a fast food industry is not going to be the same as a union in a manufacturing plant, which is not the same as a union that works – uh, at a hospital system uh, that's not the same as the union that represents teachers, right? I mean, each is playing a very different role. Each provides a different level of benefit uh, or, you know, cost benefit, right, to its employees. And it's all, you can't paint it all with a broad brush. And I think, you know, it's easier to see in some of the points that Jim just mentioned it's easier to see that being more popular and more accepted uh, where, you know, he mentioned positions that can only be filled by people who, uh, you know, qualify under X, Y, or Z or, you know, where something like that works fine in, you know, let's say a hospital system or a manufacturing facility where I could see a tension in a, a place like Starbucks. And I don't know the makeup of the employees now. Uh, when we spoke a little earlier, Rachel Cohen, one of the workers at one of the new Starbucks who's trying to organize here, uh, she said, I believe, and I, you can go back and listen to the interview to tell me how wrong I am, but she said at her, uh, her particular location, there was about 40 people who worked there and about 30 people signed on 
to be uh, union members. And my guess is that it would probably be the 30 people who have the most shifts are signing on to be part of the union. And I could absolutely see uh, you know, a clear division of the 10 people who didn't are just kind of saying like, hey, I work here two to three times a week for some extra cash. I don't really care about what's going on in corporate Starbucks. I don't care about any of these people who come over and talk. I don't care about this job. I'm, I just want to come in, do my job, do it well, get paid, and leave. And, and I don't want anything that's going to cut into my paycheck, regardless of who it helps amongst my fellow employees. That would be way more, you know, without looking at the data or taking a formal survey, I think just kind of looking at the situation, you would say that's probably a way more popular opinion in a place like Starbucks or in similar restaurant or fast food or this type of service in that industry than it would be in some of these other places, a hospital, a school, a manufacturing plant, where you have more of these workers who, you know, kind of say, hey, wait, like, listen, I don't need to come to work and have news cameras out here all day. I'm just trying to put in my six hours and then go and do my homework or go and hang out. Or something like that. And I think you would have kind of a unique type of, uh, I don't necessarily want to say it's a butting of the heads. But it wouldn't necessarily create, I could see where union efforts, and hey, you saw this for the last month outside of Mercy Hospital, right? The union is standing together. They're rallying together. They're all wearing the same shirt. Rah, rah. It's a lot tougher to do that at a place where people are not looking at this like a career and they're more looking at this like a job which personally speaking is how I would want to approach that if I was entering that uh, workforce it's how I approached it when I had those jobs I, I didn't want to work there forever I hardly wanted to be there when I was there Listen, I'm here. I'll do whatever you want me to do while I'm on the clock. I'll do a good job at it. You won't hear a peep out of me. I'm an uh, easy employee to deal with. Just make sure I get paid on time, and then I'm going to get out of here. And if I see something better, if there's a better job, I will quit tomorrow with no two weeks' notice and just leave for somewhere else because that's what this job is to me. And the more you kind of add on these things, it sounds very nice and appealing to employees, but you do kind of lose that sense of this is a stepping stone. And I don't know what the ramifications are of that later on, because let's be honest, you can enhance benefits, you can enhance pay, but you're never going to enhance pay at a fast food or one of these service places enough to reach the level of, you know, being a, a great Career. I mean, the only way you do that is not by working behind the counter at one of these places. And I don't think that changes with any sort of unionization. No matter how much I would support, if you feel like you want it, go ahead and do it. That's how, how it works here in the U.S. And by the way, uh, you know, more, there's a lot of people commenting before we uh, head out here on the Aaron Rodgers situation. And what, you know, it goes into this. Be prepared for more of this, by the way, right? I mean, this Aaron Rodgers, he's been in the news for a week because he got COVID. You know, he got sick. 
Oh, hey, and I talked to Joe Rogan. Oh, my goodness. He talked to Joe. Yes, a person who had COVID made a phone call to someone else he knew who had COVID. Said, like, hey, you know, what did you uh, do to make yourself feel better? Something everybody would do, but uh, apparently is not acceptable if you're uh, very online. But this is going to happen again and again. Anytime somebody who is somewhat known is um, unvaccinated, comes out as unvaccinated, you're going to have this, right? You're going to have people demand that they explain themselves of why you're resisting the vaccine. And some of them will ignore it, as, you know, I would hope for the sanity of the world that most people do. But some of them will answer the calls, why, why, why? Some of them will provide an answer. And then they give that answer, and the same people who are asking the question will turn around and say, you're just spreading misinformation all over the place. What? No, I was just answering your question. You asked me for a reason, and I was kind of giving you an answer how it sees fit for me personally because I made this decision for myself. I didn't tell you what to do. I just answered the question that you asked me. And then they'll say, oh, you're spreading misinformation. And then we kind of go around in the cycle again and again. again. So be prepared for more of this. If you're kind of sick of the Aaron Rodgers story, it's not going to be the last one. There's going to be another high-profile person. It's going to get sick with COVID. You know what? If I was a celebrity and I had COVID, you know what I would do? Not tell anybody. <laughs> I would leave my house. I would, uh, if, you, if I post on Twitter, I would probably post the normal stuff. And then I would go about my day. And then maybe in five years, I would say, like, yeah, I, uh, I did have it that one time. Um, <laughs> and no one really needs to know about it. That, that's just me. If you want to avoid the headache, that's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the, the reports were he's very uh, distraught and upset about the, you know, everything and the headache and uh, everything that went around the past week. Well, you know, I guess that's going to happen. You can't really avoid it. He didn't go around telling people like, yeah, yeah, I had COVID. Uh, it was the team and people are going to find out just because of the nature of your job, your position as quarterback of an NFL team. But uh, if I was anybody else, movie star, someone else like that, just let you lay low for just a little bit. Uh, Joe Beamer is not laying low. He'll actually be uh, right back here with you uh, when we come back after the news. And I'll be back with you here tomorrow. Thanks a lot for listening to BMAS and Beamer on WBEN. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 